Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview featuring one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Please take a second to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Jim McKay's new drama, En el Septimo Día. The film examines the plight of undocumented immigrants by focusing in on a pivotal week in the life of Jose, a delivery man who works long hours six days a week trying to survive and make it in America. He spends his one day off vying for the top spot in the neighborhood soccer league. When his boss demands that he work on the same day that his team is scheduled to play in the championship finals, Jose is trapped between his demands as team captain and the reality that his job may be the only avenue to getting his papers and bringing his pregnant wife to the U.S. In addition to En el Septimo Día, Mr. McKay's credits include the feature films Girls Town, Our Song, and Everyday People, the movie for television Angel, and episodes of the series The Wire, Big Love, Law and Order, In Treatment, Mr. Robot, The Good Wife, and The Good Fight. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Mr. McKay spoke with director Rebecca Miller about filming in El Septimo Día. During their discussion, Mr. McKay talks about his street casting approach to finding actors, the challenges of shooting on such a low budget in New York, and how he wanted to make a film that was connected to current issues, but not about current issues. Hello. So I'm so excited to be here and to be able to talk to you. It's, um, yeah, I love the film. I saw it the other day on a Thursday night, and it was packed. I was just saying to Jim that, um, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. to, to see. I'm always so happy to see a, a, a film of this kind, a real independent film that people want to see. That's an exciting thing in itself. So one of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, I'm fascinated by the, the fact that it seems like you worked with non-actors. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. And so what was the process? How long was it? And how did you work with them? We, um, we, we cast on the street. We did street casting. The very, at the very beginning, we did flyers that we hung mostly in Sunset Park. We did a couple days in East Harlem and Flushing, but we, uh, the, the, it was scripted to take place in Sunset Park, so I wanted to go ahead and start there, you know. Um, and so we did a big open call, and then, um, then we just started... And that was like people come in and you just meet them and talk to them and, uh, and, and kind of get to know them and get their information and everything. And then we would give them a scene to come back and read. We had to kind of explain what that was even. You know, no one had ever seen a script before. I think like maybe two or three actors came in in the course of the whole thing. Um, and none of them made it into the movie, actually. But... Um, but uh, then we realized it was probably smarter to just go out in the street with a video camera and a team of people and take care of that first part of the process there. So we would pull people aside and chat with them and, and, um, and then and we'd tape the conversation. And then if I thought they were interesting, uh, we'd give them a scene right there. And almost everybody got the ho some Jose scenes right away. And then we would kind of figure out from there who was going to get something different. And that went on for a total of like seven months, although we didn't, it's not like we did it every weekend or anything. It was 
we, we, we saw under 200 people in the end. And so many of them are actually in the film. It was interesting when, when we got the main cast, then when we actually were prepping and getting anything ready, we were like, oh, we need a dishwasher, you know, uh, for the background. And, and um, Lindsay, one of, the, one of our producers, Lindsay Cordero, was like, oh, I'll call Eric, who auditioned, and, you know, he almost made it, you know, in. And my instinct from working, like, with that, I was like, that's insulting, kind of. <laughs> he's not going to want to do it. Come on, he's, he auditioned for it. And she's like, no, no, no. And they all, everybody, like, was very happy to come in and, and do stuff. So that was great. Um, so we had this, like, pool of people for background actors as well. Um, at the very end, we, it was December, and I knew, we knew who Elmer was and we knew who Jose was. And then we brought them all in for two days in a row and put them in groups to see how they went, how they work with one another and if they felt right as a group, you know. And, um, and then we made our final selections. Like there was Felix and, and Jesus were kind of like two somewhat similar characters on the page and could kind of go in different directions. And yeah. so they would read those. And, and so once you'd selected your actors and you were in the, how long was, did you have a rehearsal process? We really didn't. We had a, um, we, so we did, we, we landed on our cast in December. We right away started um, football practices in Red Hook. We, we practiced on Thursday nights and Sunday afternoons through the winter. It was a really warm winter and it was great. Um, not for the planet, but for the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we did that through April or whatever. Then we had a table read which was fantastic. Uh -huh. Because this whole time, everybody was just saying, like, what's, so what's going on? When are we doing this thing, you know? They knew that I had made things, but they just were just really kind of, it was all up in the air a little bit. And um, the read-through was this great, like, solid thing where we, you know, as you, you know, do you do read-throughs when you... It depends. I did, my last film, I did do a read-through, yeah. And did you find it? Helpful. I found it good. Yeah, I I have this strange thing where I sometimes feel like I don't want actors to. It's like I want everything to be a secret from other people. Like there is like not the opposite of theater. So I've often approached it in a very different way. But I found that my last one because it was a comedy, I needed to know how things were firing and stuff. So, but but no, I'm just fascinated by because your performances are so realistic, so real, and that you know. Um, was that just that you cast people that had uh, just they were, they had the gift to to you know to to sound like they were really talking, or did you actually have to work with them, or and did you work in Spanish, or how did you work? Um, you know, the, because everybody came back so many times, I think the the, the auditions were rehearsals in yeah, some weird way and sense. acting class to some degree. Like we did a lot of takes, a lot of takes, because I needed to know that they, you know, if they were going to advance in the auditions, that there was a reason for that. When I first, when I was first thinking about the film, though, I did think that we were going to have a different kind of movie. You know, my, one of my favorite filmmakers is uh, Jafar Panahi, um, who's from Iran, and I think he has a new film coming out very soon that was in Cannes. Um, he made a film called Crimson Gold that I'm a big fan of. He made The White Balloon, I think. Um, and he directed some scripts that Kurostami wrote. And he uses non-actors a lot. And I really like that kind of stiffness. I like watching films that you, you, it's pretty clear that they're not actors. 
but they're doing, you know, they're still, it's fiction. It's also clear that it's fiction. There's, there's just a nice tone to it. And I think I kind of thought this was going to be that maybe. And then they all were really good. And, you know, that, and then the challenge was the couple who were like on the edge to lift them up, you right. know. We had a lot of people glancing at the camera. I mean, I can't imagine to never do this ever and then come in and have like a boom over your head and people like in the corner ducking. And and do you speak Spanish? I, my Spanish is very poor. Um, I'm not fluent. So um, probably half of the main cast have um, speak English yeah. um, well or decent. And then a, a number of them don't hardly at all. And um, so, I mean, I can speak when I have to. I can communicate when I have to. Um, I, I don't do it in public because it's <laughs> embarrassing. But, you know, their English is poor, too. So, like, we're in the same boat. So they're trying to say stuff, and I'm getting what they're saying. And um, it's not the ideal way to work at all. I mean, it's definitely not, you know, I've tried a zillion times to... I had a lot of Spanish language in my second film, Our Song. And... Um, I just don't have the thing in my brain that's firing. Caroline, from Caroline that. Kaplan, one of your producers, who also produced one of my films and or two of my films, and I adore her. She was saying that you, some of these guys, um, were working and had to just come in on a Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, well, we did exactly to make the film. We did what the boss does in the film. I mean, we Sunday was the one day when we could shoot all the soccer stuff and the and apartment stuff because that was really the day that all of them. Uh, Fernando, who uh, he's in so much stuff, he quit his job in order to do the film. And um, he told the boss he was going to visit a cousin in Texas <laughs> and he would be away for a month. And then uh, when we wrapped, he took a couple extra weeks. And then he went back and he didn't get his job back right away. They were playing hardball with him. And um, and then he did get his job back. He's He really works hard. He's, he, he lays concrete and um, does rigging. And um, so, so he had to, to quit his job, but everybody else didn't. And we, we, the scheduling was insane. I mean, it was really crazy. You know, someone would have to ask if they could leave early on a Thursday to do their scene, and um, it was just a real patchwork. And and uh, two guys got fired in the course of the film um, from their jobs. From their jobs, because I guess we were just taking them more often than than the boss had thought. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll op I'll ask if anyone has a question. I have other things I'm going to be greedily asking, but if anybody has a question, somebody back there, yeah. Well, so the question is, how, how many days did you end up shooting? We did a five day a week schedule that I think was it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or was it? Saturday? I'm not sure, but it centered you know around every Saturday and Sunday. And we shot for a total of 19 days. Um, and then we, we owed, we reshot a couple things and, and pick, did some pickups. I think we did three half days of pickups. And the one thing is we had to shoot the rain stuff. We shot all the stuff inside, but it did not rain the entire shoot. And it didn't rain the entire summer. And September came and it didn't rain. It finally rained on a Columbus Day weekend and I was out of town. Um, and then in October, like we were like, I was freaking out because the leaves were changing and, and, uh, it was getting cold and I, I thought like we have to do this, you know? 
Um, and there was a teamster on one of my TV jobs who was like, Jim, I'll get you a truck. You can, you know, I'll get you a good deal. I was like, I, you, you don't understand <laughs> what kind of movie this is. Like, you could get us a truck, but we don't have, you know, we don't have anything else that would have to go around that. We didn't have any permits. Um, this was, obviously, this was the DGA film, and the DGA was, you know, I came into the guild, like, um, uh, uh, when I made my third film, uh, and um, in 2000. Four, I think, and um, I was always worried from the very beginning. Like, I'm gonna want to do a tiny little movie again. Like, my first two films were like hundred thousand dollar movies, and I was always worried. Like, what's gonna happen? Like, will I be able to now that I'm in the guild? And um, I have to say, like, it was very doable. They were fantastic, um, and um, and very easy to work with. And it was really nice because we got to. Like um, Kevin Pasmino, who's our first AD, he's he's first AD, but he and he's UPM'd a little bit, but he got to UPM more. And then um, uh, Glenn Stewart, who is our second AD, he was a PA on The Good Wife, and uh, he he literally got his days and got in the union like the week before we started shooting. And he was this ass kicking PA on The Good Wife, and I heard him speaking Spanish one day in the hallway. I was like. Uh, we have to talk, you know, and he, so he seconded uh, yeah. the film Fantastic. and he was amazing. So um, it's nice to be able to, you know, use people who haven't necessarily done that exact thing. Yeah. But you know, they're going to like hustle their off because it's a challenge for them. Yeah. So one of the, one of the, one of the many things I loved about this film was the way that you, there, there was a kind of heroic, uh, almost superhero quality about the way you shot him with his translucent cape going through the, <laughs> and I love the way you use like wind and I felt like you were getting obsessed with wind and the qualities of wind and I was wondering if like did you did you think oh I know that how this this thing this cape is going to work or this thing or did you just think oh my god I love this so much yeah no it's all it's all accidental I love when but yeah most great things in my movies are totally <laughs> accidental uh it's nice when you're done and someone goes, oh, that thing. And you're like, yeah, I meant that. You know, we're doing it. I mean, I knew he was going to wear the thing. And um, we're doing it. And they could only find blue. I think we initially wanted something different. And I was like, this is great. And I don't think the costume designer liked it. But, you know, at first it's kind of like, this is weird. This is like, you know, we're thinking, like, should we tuck it in or whatever? And so thankfully we didn't do that. Um, but uh, then this shot that I call like the Sisyphus shot, the when he's chaining the bike in the wind. When we were shooting that by Industry City in Sunset Park, it was insane. Like people could barely stand up while we're getting the shot. I mean, they were really like having to hold on to things. And I was I was actually really like I was not in a good mood. I was just thinking like we're never gonna use this. This is like it's ridiculous, you know, the camera must be shaky and everything. And then it turned out to be one of my favorite shots in the movie, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like the wind is almost a character, like that he's always going against it, and you know, um, uh, um, one of the things I thought also was really uh, kind of wonderful was the way that you didn't, you didn't, f you know, it's a very delicate thing to do something that at least seems like it has a political um, feeling to it or or spirit in it, but at the same time, the dialogue and the way that you write is so. Um, 
is very subtle and it's just about people and you feel the feeling like just the act of making the movie about this person and making him the center whereas that character is really in the periphery of most of our lives you know on our daily life is in itself a political act and i was just curious about how you think about it yeah i mean it's it's we just started we i think we're in our fourth week of the theatrical release and and it's really sinking in in this great way, and we're doing a lot of Q and A's also. It just this it, this is coming up a lot. Like, it's you know everything's changing. Not it was changing month to month, and then then week to week, and now hour to hour in terms of the immigration situation. And and I feel really I'm so glad we didn't. It wasn't tied to one moment at all, and it wasn't issue oriented because it's it's just. A, it's separate from that, and I think in a weird way it's been um, soothing to audiences as well to go see something that's somehow connected with the issues, but not about the issues. And my first film, Girls Town, was like crazily didactic, this feminist screed, you know, and 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 very purposefully so. And then my second film, Our Song, I was trying to like back off of it. But like when I watch it now, it, it's still a little pointed, a lot pointed, and it's a little heavy-handed at times. And I think with every film I've done, I've tried to just back away and back away and back away and just let the situations talk, speak, you know? And um, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, I think the pre-scene is, is the one scene where you get a little like, you know, little politics, which right. And I read that you that you were considering you had a different speech yeah. for him, and then it changed. Can you explain that. Yeah. Uh, I have two friends who are professors uh, at St. John's and Brooklyn College, and they're they're great friends and they're big supporters. And they had read the script, and we had this great. They both wrote me letters, and then they commented on each other's letters, and we had this back and forth about the priest, who initially was actually one of the people in the mix who was saying like, I get, I get your passion but you have a responsibility you know I was thinking about like a little bit more of a conservative church to some degree and um, our conversations led to the led to the opposite happening you know which I think was really really important and the opposite in the sense that he's more of an activist yeah priest, exactly yeah. and and the guy who plays him is an activist priest he's one of the founders uh, of new sanctuary coalition which is extremely active right now in the city, um, taking people into churches who are who have deportation dates, um, and uh, so he he's been he was great to just have a part of the process as a part of the process as well because most of the actors were not political really at all, um, some of them a couple of them, uh, and then a bunch of them have really become politicized through the process, which has been really interesting to well, see. Overall, do you have a sense that it, there's a, the, the Latin audience has a different take on it than the sort of non-Latin audience? Or um, has a particular response? I don't, think, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I think there's a, different, there's a difference simply because like one audience is seeing the other and one audience is seeing themselves. Yeah. You know, and, um, but, uh, all the all the um, Latinos audiences, the Mexican audiences who have been coming, and we've had great, like, really mixed audiences, even at IFC, yeah, uh, which has been really nice. Um, I don't know; everybody seems to be digging it. Yeah, yeah. Is there any other? There's. <coughs> if we had, if there had been two more days to this to this story, would he have gone back to his boss?
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, I have ideas about that, you know. Um, but I, I like the idea of just, for me, leaving a film with questions in your mind and, and conversation points is always, uh, well, you know, that last scene was initially scripted to take place in the middle of the film. Uh, on the on on the, I can't remember which day of the week, but oh, it's when he comes in and he says, you know, Artemio's uh, uh, leg is really bad. I, anyway, I can't remember. Anyway, it was supposed to be scripted, so we shot the bar scene on a Saturday night uh, until like three in the morning, and then we went to go into the subway in downtown Brooklyn, and when we got there, we just said, okay, like let's just rehearse on the sidewalk because we know you're going to come down the stairs of the subway you're carrying the bikes you're going to turn and you're going to you're going to encounter this guy playing uh, but let's actually walk it through so that once we get down there we can do it quickly so we don't get arrested even though it's like really early in the morning and um, we did it like three or four times and timed it out and the sun was starting to come up and I was like this is beautiful let's just shoot you know and my producers said you know Jim are you doing this just because you're concerned you know about getting arrested and I was like no 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 I really I think this is the right thing to do and I and then it was just great I think we did maybe three takes of it and then I remember going to bed you know at seven in the morning or whatever and thinking I think that's going to be the last scene and and then realizing like oh and I don't think I even realized this till I actually watched the edit it's a bookend a complete bookend of the first scene where they come around the corner with the bikes and they go to their first Monday's day of work and they see Baltazar and they tell him about the game. Um, and then it's the end, but they don't have their jobs. I mean, I think Jesus is actually gonna go to the restaurant and pick up his check and say, give me my money that you owe me. And I, I think Jose will probably wait outside. <laughs> and then they're gonna find Artemio some work and you know. Um, I like the idea though that for me, I feel really good about where they're headed, you know. I feel like they have shown what they're capable of and their strength, and uh, they're going to be fine. It's a pain in the ass and it sucks, but it's they're going to be fine. Uh, no, I was. I mean, I took you know I took pictures like a long time ago, not ever really professionally, but um, every frame every frame looked like a still photograph. Yeah. Well, a lot of that is Charlie Libin, who's the director of photography, who's. Um, who has worked for many, many years as a camera operator. He's one, he was one of Jonathan Demme's main guys on his features and he DP'd a bunch of Demme's documentaries. And we had a great relationship. I, early on in my career, I did not pay much attention to visuals because I was very, very into performance and really wanted to put my time there. And um, I've gotten more and more, I think TV work has actually made me more attuned. But you know, this is a, an amazing theater. I mean, I was I came in at the end and I was watching. I was like, oh my god, it's so beautiful. And it made me realize, like, I don't think I've really um, shouted out to the operators uh, enough in in public and to our focus pullers and like, you know, the stuff on the field. I mean, people really, that you know, when we were in the edit room, we had very very few times where we were like, oh, that's too soft, we can't use it, or you know, the frame is wrong, you know, and. Um, Charlie and I had a lot of conversations early on about, um, you know, uh, uh, defining 
Mexican immigrants in New York and like and with the production designer as well like how much have they brought here and how much is here how much is how much is the US and how much is Mexico and I think he was veering a little bit more toward you know he wanted to make it really beautiful and um, I just wanted to make sure we didn't exo exoticize it too much I wanted it to be kind of ugly a little bit um, but but gorgeous you know and so we had a lot of Great back and forth. I see him bringing a light in and setting it up. I'm like, Charlie, what? Why? You know, why? Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's it's gonna be fine. You know, I'm gonna know. You know, and I and he talked me down like a lot, and, and I'm grateful because, you know, I think it's gorgeous, but it doesn't feel um, over overwrought. You know. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, since we. <laughs> went through that a little bit. I was just going to ask you about the script writing process a bit. Like, did you, so how did you think about doing this initially? How, how what made you think, oh, this is, I'm going to make this story? Oh, man. I, I wrote the original script like 13 years ago. And, wow. Um, and it's so long ago, I don't remember like the first day when I thought, oh, you know, I, I had a lot of spheres of influence. Like I worked on a bunch of documentaries. I helped my wife who made two documentaries about a, migrant farm worker family in Texas and Mexico and California. And a lot of what I saw and experienced with them found its way in here. I worked in a restaurant in San Francisco with um, a number of guys from the Yucatan and an and Elmer and a Baltazar. Um, they're paid homage to in this film. And, and that was part of it. Um, and then I don't know, I don't remember where the idea of like this someone is you know, wants to play, but they have to work, came from. It was just, just a, you know, yeah, I don't know. It just popped in my head and it sounded like a good dilemma to, to tackle because it's so, um, so uh, not, it's not so easy to sympathize with, you know. It's, I think, I find that like challenging, you know, the, the idea that you could say like, shut up and work like it's ridiculous but it's also about the the group dynamic being more important finally than anything else like that the, the loyalty and the group dynamic between them and and one of my favorite moments actually is when he's just eating his his lunch yeah. there's that really long take where he's just eating his lunch and it's something so gratifying about just watching someone think and you really feel like he's actually thinking it's a wonderful yeah. take he was great i mean you know obviously for that character so much happens off the dialogue and I, you know, he's a very, he has a lot of characteristics of Jose that Fernando does. I mean, he's not playing himself in any way, but he definitely, he's a, he's a real, like he skydives on the weekends upstate um, and he dances salsa, takes classes and does performances. He has studied English. He had braces when we met him on the street initially, um, which made me think like, okay, this is interesting. You know, this guy is like, Furthering himself, yeah. he's, he's he's a hustler, you know, yeah. and and I think that somehow allowed him to connect. The direction I gave over and over and over again was like right before the scene started. I w I, we had this thing, and I would say, Fernando, how many problems do you have? <laughs> he's like, Well, you know, one, two, okay, good, you know, think just think about it. What's going on? Remember, they talked about someone's going to sleep on the floor next to you in that other scene, like that. You're coming after that scene, and who do you think is going to be sleeping on the floor? Elizabeth, right? You haven't told them yet. So keep that in mind, things like that. With, in terms of the other actors and, and the, the group dynamic and stuff like that, I find that 
whether it's non-actors or, or really highly trained professional actors, a lot of the things are the same. You know, give people things to do, give people things to be thinking about. You know, um, some actors can can grab that themselves and run with it, right? And then some other others need to be told, like, you know, why don't you go get a coke from the fridge and and then when you come back over here, you could pass it here. And it's some just little things like that allow them to be in the space and then they can then and then they take it from that and are more comfortable somehow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Have you I, shown it in Mexico? Yeah, I have hopes too. We have we 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 didn't get into three different festivals in Mexico so far. Um and uh but but we we haven't sold any foreign territories. We're 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 hoping we would do well on a release here and then start that process. So I'm I'm sure it's going to come out in Mexico and um it'll be interesting to see what the what the reaction is. They have a, an election coming up in a week. Right. Two days, is it? Okay. I lived there half time. Exactly. And I've found that, you know, sometimes like there's a big West Coast, East Coast difference and there's a big South North difference, but we had great screenings in California and 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 cuz I do think, you know, people People who live in LA or on on that coast, their lifestyle is a little different. They're they, you know they're not bike delivery guys because there's not bikes riding around LA you know like like here, just little things and big things and uh, but it seemed very relatable, you know um, out west which was really nice and then so I hope that translates as well um, below the border. So yeah, I mean I agree. One thing that you said that that just to 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 sew it up. One of the things I loved about the film is I felt so ha I loved, made me love New York a lot, partly because you have such a strong sense of place. You actually really, it doesn't feel so much like, you know, a lot of the time we have to use bits and pieces of a city and kind of sew them together, but you really were fir stood firm and like you really feel like this is a place and you stuck with it. And also just the fact that, um, I don't know, it just made, it was, it was a very gentle film even which I think was necessary at this moment. Like it feels like a film that's not, not in the sense of not, it has a very strong point, but there's something about it that has a warmth to it. And I think it radiates partly from his character. There's a wonderful scene where he's just looking, you're actually away from camera and he's talking to Elizabeth and he's just saying, I think you'll love it here in the big city. And it's just so touching to me somehow, him saying that, you know, that he's advertising this life that he has to offer. It's, yeah. Well. Thank you. I mean, it was it was just a great thing to work on. It's changed my life in so many ways. Like, you know, for me to make a tiny film and to put like years into it and money a lot and time, you know, it's got to have a reward. You know, I mean, there everything has a reward. The process has a reward. Making art has a reward. But this has like extra because, you know, you I've 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 been introduced to a whole community of people and a whole, um, a whole other thing um, that now, you know, is now part of my life, and it's 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 great, and yeah, and it's really satisfying that it turned out pretty nicely. So, um, you know, the, those guys. One of the guys actually just got a role in a film that's filming here and in Mexico. A couple scenes. One, he has a minor part in this. He's one of the guys in the dumpster at the beginning. A lot of our guys auditioned for it, but he was the only one who, who got it, which was interesting. Um, and, and, and a bunch of them do want to act, so if anyone has any projects for them, uh, I, I can hook you up. 
and uh, and we're also we're we're trying to hang in there at the IFC. Um, the film has been doing really well, and for me, like I just I feel like the better it does, the better the more people will feel confident about financing films like this and distributing them, um, because both of those were real were really difficult for us. So um, if uh, if you like the movie and you can spread the word. We certainly have another weekend there at the IFC coming up, and if I think if we do well, they're gonna keep us around. So yeah. I, I don't like to be so so like begging about it, but it, it's you know it's part of the deal. So. Thank you so much. It was great Thank to talk you. to you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q and A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of the Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. In the coming weeks, we'll hear from directors Lauren Greenfield and Rawson Marshall Thurber, so be sure to click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.